Am I on? There we go. Good morning, everyone. My name is Joel. Uh, I'm a pastor here at uh, Resurrection City Church, and I just want to uh, welcome you here this Sunday. Whatever brings you here, whether you're a regular attender, uh, joining us here in person, maybe you're joining us online. The, the weather just made it too difficult to get here this Sunday. Uh, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're stuck at home. Uh, it's, a, it's a good, good reminder. Uh, we live in a, uh, a climate that it can be really extreme sometimes. Um, and uh, I was reminded of that this morning uh, when I woke up to my surprise and all the snow was back uh, after it went away mostly yesterday. So anyway, I uh, just want to welcome you here. Uh, yeah, again, maybe you're joining us online. Maybe you're, you know, you're trying to decide if Res City is a church you want to, want to be a part of. You're checking us out online. You're, you're in some sort of in-between space. Whatever it is, whatever brings you here this Sunday morning, I just want to uh, welcome you. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we are going to uh, get into our sermon this morning. Lord, thank you for bringing us uh, here this morning, whether we uh, are in person, we're online, um, we've come here for many different reasons. Lord, um, I just pray that you would, you'd bless us as we gather together, Lord, um, as, as one people who are uh, committed to your son Jesus, who are learning more about your son Jesus, who are growing in your son Jesus. I pray that you'd help us to do that uh, this morning and help us to be united with one another as we do so. pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. So I want to start with a cool story, at least I think it's pretty cool. Um, in the 1930s, uh, there were these riots going on, these kind of protests uh, against uh, the British government that was kind of set up uh, in Palestine at the time. It's kind of in the period of British imperialism. And as a punishment for it, the British government decided to seize a bunch of sheep and cattle, which are a really important part of the life uh, of Palestine, uh, as, as punishment. And they allowed people to redeem these sheep and cattle, which just means to buy them back, at a fixed price. So you want your sheep back, we'll sell them back to you even though they belong to you. It's super messed up, but it's what was happening at this time. And so one young boy, uh, he mustered enough money, this is not a, he didn't have hardly anything to his name, but he was somehow able to muster enough money to buy back his seven sheep and goats. Uh, their, his only real meaningful possessions that he had was being a little shepherd to this little flock. So he goes to the place where they, all these sheep and goats are being kept to get them back, and he, you know, he, he pays the money, and the British sergeant who is hanging out there says, all right, kid, like, there's a lot of sheep and goats in there. Just grab seven of them. I don't care. You're going to get seven sheep or goats back, um, but you're never going to find your actual sheep and goats in this mass of, of all these animals. Kind of ridiculed the kid, thinking he could put together his flock again. But to the shock of this British sergeant, the little shepherd, he pulled a, a, out a little flute, and he played a tune on it, and his sheep and goats separated themselves out from this large flock of sheep and goats and came over to him. Um, and this is, I think, as we approach Psalm 23, which we've been doing in this series, kind of using it as a jumping off point for us as we talk about uh, wholeness and following the shepherd, it helps us understand a little bit of what's going on here. So in Psalm 23, uh, 3b, uh, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake, Okay. Now, how do you think the sheep is guided or led along this path? To a, a person reading this in the time it was written, they would know for sure what this looked like. But we, uh, I, would, I would guess, is, I'm not, I don't know this for sure, 
I don't know everyone who's watching online, and, and, uh, but like, I would guess none of us have ever done a lot of sheep herding. We don't really know how you lead sheep along. And maybe you'd think you, know, you lead it with like a stick or a prod. You kind of you know, push it along, right? That's called driving sheep, and that's different than what Psalm 23 is talking about. In this area of the Middle East that the Bible is written in, this is not how shepherds lead. Instead, they lead their sheep like this little boy in that story we just told, okay? And if you're familiar with, you know, with, with certain passages where Jesus talks about stuff like this, in John 10, 27, he says, the sh- my sheep know my voice. Okay? He's referring to this, this idea that the shepherd leads the sheep through his voice or some, some tune. So the, the shepherd will either play a little note on a flute, like what we had in that story, or, and this is, this is more common, more often, with a special unique call that the shepherd's sheep alone know, a little call that they make, uh, you know, with, with their voice. And so, you know, like in that story, sheep are known to separate themselves out from large crowds of other sheep when they hear the call of their shepherd. So with this call, and this is what Psalms is, Psalm is talking about here, Psalm 23, the shepherd can take them on the right path or the righteous path. Okay, the path that they're supposed to be taken on to find food and water and safety and wholeness as the sheep follow the call or the voice of the shepherd. That's how this works. This is how we're supposed to understand what is going on in Psalm 23. Now, this is, such an, this is a really obvious point. It kind of goes without saying, but it's worth like, reflecting on, I think, for us as we put ourselves in the place of the sheep like we've do, been doing in this sermon series the sheep have to be able to hear the voice of the shepherd if they're going to be led along to right paths. Okay, it's kind of, kind of obvious, but it's actually worth kind of thinking about. Like, uh, and I, w- that's what I want us to do today. I want to talk about this, uh, in, this uh, sermon ser- in this sermon today, this idea of hearing the voice of the shepherd. Because Christianity, even in, you know, back to its early days, when we kind of look at the reasons people were interested in the message of Jesus uh, in the first place, oftentimes it was kind of centered on this, this paradox, this mystery of a God who is the creator of the whole earth and rules everything, but is also mindful of, of individuals, is seeking them out personally, has you know, a, a connection to them in this sort of mysterious but very real and powerful way. Right? He's not an impersonal like, you know, universe. He's not, uh, you, you know, he's not uh, abstract and beyond us. He is, he is focused on us, focused on people. A good shepherd who speaks, who, who knows, and loves us. All right? And so... This, this leads us to a, a kind of a challenging line. We think about what it looks like for us to hear the voice of the shepherd. And Henry Nouwen uh, says this, Without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously if we do not set aside some time to be with God and listen to him. All right, if we're going to be led along right paths, like Psalm is talking about, we need to regularly set aside time to be with God, to listen to him, and to do so in solitude, okay? If you want to take your spiritual life seriously, and if you want to engage in the mystery of a God who is relational and directs his attention to us, and I assume you all, you all want that, right? then you have to ask yourself, am I actually willing to set aside this time, to engage in silence and solitude? 
And so that's what we're going to talk about today, silence and solitude as a practice to help us to find wholeness, to be led by the shepherd, kind of in line with the sermon series we're talking about. And I, and I wanted to find silence and solitude. I want to talk about what it's for, what's actually going on. And we're going to really unpack this all throughout the whole rest of the sermon today. But at, at the beginning, I want to state up front, here's what I'm talking about. A dialogue between your internal world and the shepherd. Okay? Silence and solitude is the practice of sitting down before ourselves and God. And these are both important elements so that we can hear through contemplation our own thoughts and feelings and the voice of the shepherd and bring them into dialogue with one another. And so the invitation here is to not to be monastic. That's where a lot of this stuff comes from in Christian roots, monasteries and monks and the monastic. I'm not telling you to go move to the desert and like get rid of electricity or anything like that. But I do want to invite you to kind of think like a monastic a little bit today as we sort of engage in this, okay? So if you're serious with this, if you are going to take that, that challenge from Henry Nouwen seriously, then there are two kinds of noise that we have to cut out before we can move on to this next place of dialogue between our internal world and the shepherd. Now the first is external and the second is internal. These are two types of noise we need to cut out. So let's talk first about external noise. This is the noise that is just around us everywhere. Okay? The, when we step outside, when we get out of bed in the morning, honestly, we're getting hit by this noise oftentimes. Now, the sheep can't follow the shepherd if there are constantly like air horns and pop music and crowd noise and advertisements just, you know, blaring all around them. They're not going to be able to hear whatever, you know, that voice of that shepherd to follow them. Okay? But we have that, you know, blasting us constantly if we're not careful in how we consume things. Like we have, in sitting in your pockets right now is this incredible machine that is like perfectly designed to distract you like into oblivion if you let it, right? It is, it is perfectly designed to be a 24-7 boombox into your brain, Okay, and, and, it's, and if we're not careful with how we handle those things and other things around us, then the external noise is just going to be way too much for us to really engage seriously in this, uh, this type of spiritual life that we're talking about. And let me just give you an example of this for me. One area where I, in particularly, really struggle with this and, and see if you find yourself resonating with, the, with this, you know, maybe in a different area. It could be the same area I'm talking about, but that is podcasts. So somewhere in college... I discovered, the, at the time they were, they were kind of new, at the, which is kind of weird to think about, but they were kind of bursting onto the scene, getting really popular, and I was like instantly hooked on them. I, I had like, you know, I traveled from class to class, I spent a lot of time where, you know, by myself, and it was really nice to throw something in, you know, my ears and just kind of listen to it as I was going. I could think about it, I could chew on it, whatever, and it got to the point at every single like spare second I had, I had headphones in. I was l listening to a podcast of some kind, right? I could be like taking our dog to the bathroom, you know, or a couple minutes and I'm getting right back into a podcast that I've been listening to earlier. I could be doing laundry, doing the dishes. I could be driving somewhere. Literally, Julie, for, as a Christmas present, got me a Bluetooth speaker that's waterproof that we could put in the shower 
so I could listen to podcasts even when I'm showering. Like, that's how much I was doing this, right? And I had absolutely no silence or solitude in my life because anytime I had free time where I wasn't talking with someone else or reading or working, I was listening to some podcast. It was just an incredible amount of external noise. This didn't mean I wasn't trying to pray or doing, you know, some of these things I'm talking about today, but I found it incredibly difficult. And I was aware of that, but I didn't want to, like, give up listening to these podcasts. I loved the noise. But I didn't really realize the effect that this was all having on me until, like, a year or two ago. And what happened was, I don't know if you, if you use I, I, uh, I, you have an iPhone and you have the Apple podcast app on there, they changed it, this is a year or two ago, and it stressed me out so badly because they made it like, like an Instagram feed where it was like just when you opened it up, you could see. And like anytime you ever listen to any podcast, now you're following it. And so anytime any podcast you've ever listened to updated, it was in your feed, right? And it, so it shows you all the new podcasts of all the shows you, you've ever listened to that have all popped up here recently since the last time you opened your podcast up. And it's like, you know, what are you waiting for? You have missed 10 podcasts, all right? And you, you need to listen to all of them. We're going to, you know, anything, anything that you missed, it's going to be lower on the list. You might miss it. But here's the next thing. You got to listen to it. Oh, and by the way, you can listen to it on 1.25 times or one and a half times or two times as fast. Just think about how much podcasting you can do. You can cram in one and a half podcasts in the time it would take you to get through one of them. Isn't that amazing? So you can get through all these podcasts now. Isn't this incredible? And, oh, and by the way, here's a new section we've added that tells you about podcasts you might like. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe you aren't listening to enough podcasts as it is. Based on your likes, the things you've listened to in the past, here's a bunch of other ones you might like. All right, And it was just way too much. And for a little bit, I felt compelled to try to keep up with it, which is crazy to think back now that I actually was like thinking of trying to do that at the time. But it really just it stressed me out. And I was eventually just like, you need to chill out, Apple. Okay, you need to stop. I need, some, I need to, you to stop bombarding me with this right now. Okay, it wasn't fun. It wasn't restful anymore. And it, it kind of just felt like a chore to consume all of this noise. And that's the thing that finally got me to sort of start thinking about all of this stuff. Okay, it kind of popped my balloon and made me look at my habits a little bit more. And I had to ask myself, was I cutting, you know, through all this, to have an internal world, something where I could actually, you know, contemplate the stuff that I was listening to or the stuff going on around me in the world, was I, did I have a place for that or was I just adding clutter to it, right? Like, sure, I could tell you what this person thought about that thing. Right? I listened to like three podcasts about this news event. I could tell you three different approaches to it. But I had never actually thought about what, it, what do I think about it or feel about it, right? It was just this clutter of everything going on around me. And I certainly hadn't spent any of that time processing for myself so that I could bring that before God and let him interact with what I was thinking or feeling about it, okay? I couldn't give you an answer to those two questions. It was just sort of 
you know, this, this clutter in my life, this, this sort of clutter in my internal world. You think of like a garage that someone has been throwing stuff in. No one's gone in and sort of sorted through it to try to organize it. That was my internal world because I was just adding stuff. I was just throwing stuff in there without thinking about it, collecting things and not doing anything with it for myself. And so I had to really cut down on my podcast consumption. I still listen to them, but I try to be a lot more intentional I'm okay if I don't hear what one person thinks about something going on in the world now. Like, I actually have allowed myself to be okay not keeping up on every single thing going on on my podcast app. And I've tried to replace that time with some regular silence and solitude. Now, honestly, I'm still not as consistent as I'd like to be, but I'm aware, and I'm trying to be more consistent... And honestly, even though a lot of times before I engage in some silence or solitude, like I think, ah, you know, this is going to be hard, or, you know, I really would rather do this thing, like it'd be better off if I, you know, engaged in some other thing, I'm rarely disappointed that I spent that time in silence and solitude, okay? But we can't do that if we're not willing to sort of take a look around us at the external noise sort of, you know, pounding us constantly and be willing to turn the volume, or honestly, just turn some things off. We're never going to be able to get to that point because these distraction machines in our pockets will bring you the whole world if you want it. They will. All right? They're very good at that, and it's a very cool thing about them, but human brains were not designed to have the whole world pressed on it constantly. That's not how we were made. Okay, And so maybe it's good for us to understand how God did design us so that we can engage more healthily with our phones. Okay? Now, just, just think about this. Just think about this for a second. What, what is it called on your phone when you get a notification, right? Something that pops up on your screen. Do you, you know what they call those, right? Push notifications. Okay, just think about that. A push is not something you do to invite someone to do something, right? Push is something you do against someone's will, right? A push is designed to make someone do something they weren't going to do before, Okay? That's what these things do. They're designed to do it. They're very well named. Okay? But these push notifications are pushing us, are pushing our attention, pushing our internal worlds towards something that we were not originally going to engage in. They're very good at pushing us to do these things. This external clutter, whether it's emails, news alerts, podcast updates, social media notifications, whatever it is, they're always being pushed on us. And if we're not careful to do something about it, we're going to be pushed into spiritual oblivion. Okay? It matters that we take stock of what we're being pushed to do with our phones and, and whatever, other stuff too. Okay? I'm, I'm singling phones out right now, but there's a lot of other ways that we can have this sort of external noise. So we have to be willing to cut down on that. Okay? But we need to do more than just cutting down on our external noise, okay? We've got to go in and we've got to Marie Kondo our inner world too, right? Remember I talked about how I felt like my internal world was so cluttered from all the external stuff I was just throwing in there and kind of collecting, like a garage just filled with stuff? Okay, we have to also go in and cut through the stuff that's going on inside us. Because if you don't, you can't navigate through that garage, right? It kind of becomes a noise of its own, just all the stuff that's been, you know, cluttered in there. So we have to go through, we have to declutter our internal worlds so that we can uh, cut out that internal noise as well. I think a lot of people, you know, maybe get good at sort of putting some boundaries on the external world, 
But they don't take the next step to going and now decluttering your internal world, doing something about the internal noise of everything that's collected inside of us. And that's a necessary next step for us if we're going to really truly do this silence and solitude, hear the voice of the shepherd. Okay, so let's talk about that internal noise here. If we're honest, a lot of times when you talk about just silence and just being alone with your internal world, we get really uncomfortable with that. We don't like it. We're really uncomfortable with silence. It's worth asking the question, why is that? Why, do, why are we uncomfortable with silence? And listen, we might, there might be a lot of different reasons. For Everybody is a little bit different on this thing. But let me give a couple of reasons why I think often we might be a little bit uncomfortable with this. First of all, let's just be honest. It's boring. It can be boring to sit in silence sometimes, right? We are not as good at distracting ourselves as our phones are or a TV show, or the, you know, whatever that is plugging us into everything that's going on around us. Right? We're not as good at kind of making ourselves feel as stimulated as the things around us. Okay? So it, it's boring. You sit, you know, have, how many times have you done this? You sit down, you close your eyes to pray, you think about, you know, what do I want to pray for right now? What do I want to put before God? And like 10 seconds later, you're knee-deep in a grocery list. Right? That happens often, right? Because it's hard to stay focused. It's boring. It feels unproductive, okay? And your brain is super good at like filling that space with all the other stuff going on around you right now. And it's distracting. It gets you to sort of, it pulls you out of whatever you're doing. And even like when we're being distracted, we're still not good at focusing. Like think about how often you're watching a TV show or something and you've got your phone out at the same time and you're cruising Twitter or something like that, right? Have you ever noticed that? So like we're distracting ourselves from the distraction, okay? That's how hard it is to do this focusing thing, okay? And I get it. If you think it's boring to sit by yourself and there's nothing sort of stimulating you, I get it. I'm like that too, okay? I'm actually probably worse than you. I, I'm very convinced I have undiagnosed ADHD, okay? So like I get it. It is hard to do. But I think we need to do what, what Rich Villadas calls normalizing boredom, okay? We think of boredom as this really bad thing. We have to, you know, being in the place, like we feel bored when we're, you know, sitting down in silence, we think of that as the kind of thing we have to avoid, okay? I think it's good for us to normalize that a little bit. And maybe calling it normalizing boredom makes it sound, you know, worse than it is, but normalizing not being distracted, normalizing not having some outside stimulation, okay? If you sit down and you spend some time in silence with God and you don't leave feeling like you had some earth-shattering revelation, some, you know, incredible uh, encounter with him, that's okay. That's, that's, that's actually probably how it's going to be the majority of the time. And that's not at all a bad thing. It is still good because it still gives us time to do some of the things we're going to talk about here in a little bit. And also what happens here is that what, what happens to us is what Rich Willita says is we can purify ourselves of the false God of good feelings, okay? When we allow ourselves to sit in silence for a little bit, to maybe even be bored for a few minutes, we're purifying ourselves of the need to constantly have to have some sort of stimulation as making us feel something, to feel good in some way, okay? It's good for us to kill that in ourselves sometimes, Okay? To not need a good, stimulating feeling in every second of the day. Okay? 
Now, again, let me reiterate. If you struggle with distraction, you are probably very normal, okay? I think we all probably do. And in a sense, when we sit down and we find ourselves getting distracted, maybe we get frustrated with ourselves. You know, maybe you're knee-deep into that shopping list and you didn't even realize it, and then you're like, crap, no, I gotta stop. I'm supposed to be in silence. I'm supposed to be praying. I'm supposed to be hearing from God here. That's okay. Turn and go back to God. Practice the gospel, even in that really small way, over and over and over again. It's a reminder of the gospel itself when we find ourselves getting lost in our own thoughts and turning back to God. He will welcome us back no matter what. It's a way for us to live the gospel out, to redo it over and over and over again. So don't take that for granted, okay? It's a small window into, you know, the the thing that we are here for, the, the thing that we have all believed and has gotten us in this room trying to spend time with God in the first place. Okay, so that's the first reason we might find silence to be uncomfortable. A second reason is this. We don't want to have to face ourselves, okay? Because in silence and solitude, there's nothing else going on to take our attention. So our attention is going to be naturally preoccupied on ourselves. And I think sometimes we can treat ourselves kind of like a car that we're afraid might have some engine trouble under the hood. And so we, you know... We don't want to deal with all that, that stuff in there because that's going to be a lot of work. So we, you know, get a car wash and we vacuum it out, right? We make sure it looks really nice and we feel kind of cozy driving it around, all while we're afraid to pop a, open the hood and get in there and actually see what's going on down there and be willing to, to do the hard work of maybe actually dealing with some of the issues that are down there, okay? We'll fo- we can focus on sort of cheap external fixes instead of this hard but necessary work of self-examination or contemplation. Because deep down, there is so much stuff that we, if we're being honest, we just don't want to deal with. Like, we, we want to avoid dealing with it. And that's a reason, I think, why we allow ourselves to get to so distracted sometimes, maybe even subconsciously, because it keeps us from having to go down and do the sort of internal work. And we can do what, what Rich Villadas calls uh, compartmentalizing, okay? This is where we hide broken parts of ourselves from others and ourselves in an attempt to deliver ourselves from some judgment we feel like we're going to have or some shame we might have to deal with, okay? Instead of dealing with that, which is something, you know, you, you know we're going to be uncomfortable doing, we just kind of shut that part off. You know, we, we maybe engage with a part of ourselves we like a lot more. We, we don't think has to do a lot of work, And the stuff that can be down there, like it's all stuff that if we don't deal with it, it is going to come out and harm us in lots of different ways. It could be unresolved anger or hurt or trauma, like what Julie talked about a few weeks ago. It could be worry. It could be anxiety. It could be thinking about fears that we might have about something. It could be feelings of of worthlessness. It could be replaying a conversation that you thought went poorly over and over and over again in your head. It could be revenge fantasies or sexual fantasies or anger or hatred towards someone, okay? Things that we are, like, ashamed of, we don't want to admit is down there, but instead of dealing with it, we just pretend it's not there, okay? We have to deal with these things, okay? Instead of knowing ourselves and applying the gospel to what's down there, we, we, we can't just avoid it. It's important for us to do it. We can't just turn up the external noise. We can't just learn what other people think. We can't just learn the right thing to say. 
Okay, we can't just focus on other people's problems, uh, complaining about them, blaming them, confessing their sins, but being unwilling to confess our own sins. We can't do that, okay? Just because it's, it's, it's harder work, okay? It's really important for us to be willing to get, get down in the nitty-gritty, be willing to deal with what's down there and apply the gospel to it, okay? And so this necessary first step to any resolution is self-examination, contemplation, confession, all within ourselves, decluttering our inner world, okay? What we're most afraid of is actually most important for us to deal with so that we can do this silence and solitude, this being led by the Good Shepherd that we're talking about today. So what am I doing? What, okay, let's say that we're willing to engage. We want to cut out this, this noise so that we can get inside of ourselves and we can declutter it and we can actually uh, have good time of silence and solitude. What am I actually doing in there? Okay, I want to talk about these two things now. And this goes back to our sort of definition of silence and solitude. First off, focus on untangling feelings and thoughts. Okay? When, when things get cluttered down there, they can get all tangled up. Okay? We, have to, we have to organize them. We have to have a sense for what's down there so we can understand it so that we can do something with it. Okay? This is self-examination. This is contemplation. Now, to do this well, I think it's helpful sometimes to just give your mind time to naturally unwind. Okay? You don't need to get into the deep stuff right away. I think if you give your brain enough space to sort of, you know, to, to settle, it will do that eventually if there's no present distractions. And to do this well, I think sometimes it really helps us to actually, like, physically get up and leave the place that we might be in, especially if it's a place where we do a lot of our normal stuff, like work or, or whatever, where, where we do the kinds of things that would distract us from getting to this place, okay? It's going to be really hard for our brain to get out of it. Now, in case you know, you're wondering if this is just me saying it. It is not. This is actually something Jesus did as a regular rhythm of his own ministry. Okay, so Luke 5.16 sums up a bunch of other passages in the gospel that talk about Jesus doing this. And Luke says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This was a regular part of his ministry, is actually getting up and going to the, the, the Greek word there is eremos, to the lonely places. Now, there's a bunch of different ways you can translate that word. It can be translated as like desert, a deserted place, a desolate place, a solitary place, a lonely place, a quiet place, or just the wilderness. Okay, so you get a sense for where he's going. A lot of places can fit this description. Okay? But he was physically removing himself from spaces with noise. In fact, sometimes even where people are trying to get his attention, to get him to, to do Jesus stuff, to do Messiah work, there were times where he actually said, not right now. I'm actually going to physically remove myself. I'm going to get away from the crowds, and I'm going to go spend some time with my father. Okay? And he encourages his disciples to do the same thing. He needed this time of withdrawal. Now, we live in a city. You know, it's a little bit easier when, when you're Jesus and you live, you know, you're kind of wandering around through uh, Palestine, uh, you know, through Judea and Galilee. There's a lot of easy, ways, easy places to get out to. We live in a really busy city, okay? And, and I get that. It's, it's, it's kind of tough. Um, you know, you can't, you can't just be anywhere and get away from stuff sometimes, it feels like, okay? I'm just going to say, it doesn't have to be an actual wilderness. You don't need to find a desert 
somewhere to go to do this. You can go into your backyard, maybe your, your closet. There's a lot of different places you can create that are going to do this. And, and think about, for you, where is a place I can go that cuts the noise out? But just throwing this out there, like, we do have a lot of beautiful landscapes around us here. We have woods and, and lakes. Like, this is the land of 10,000 lakes. Like, you don't have to go very far to find a lake to hang out at, even in the city here, which is really cool. One of my favorite places to go do this is Reservoir Woods. Okay, this is just like a mile from our house, um, and there are a bunch of really beautiful places to hang out. Okay, and I've been trying to do this more regularly, get out to Reservoir Woods, uh, just spend some time walking. I'm by myself. I am just letting my brain unwind, and eventually I get to a place where, where prayer and listening to God is really actually pretty easy. It takes a little bit. It takes me wandering around for a little bit before I can do it. It takes me doing stuff like, like I did this a few days ago, uh, it had just snowed that night, and I went in the morning, and so I could see deer tracks. So I just followed, I just went, and so like, where did this deer walk around? I just kind of tr- pretended I was like Bear Grylls or something, and tracked a deer around through the woods. It was actually really fun to just kind of see what this deer was up to, um, and, and, like, it, and, and it was a rom- reminder for me that God is like doing stuff all over the world that's beyond me, Okay? This deer is just doing deer stuff, okay? Doesn't know any of the problems or anxieties or worries that I have that I'm bringing in. And it's a reminder, the world is bigger than my anxieties. The world is bigger than my problems, the things that I'm focusing on in the moment. And that can really help create space for you to kind of move beyond those things, to kind of not view them as as scary as they might be and actually deal with them in a real good, robust way. That kind of stuff can really take you out of that. Okay, so I'd encourage you to find a place that you can go like that as well. Okay, so, so now, like I said, what, what are we doing here? Once we've kind of decluttered our brain, we've gotten out of uh, the place we might be in, we're focusing on untangling feelings and thoughts. So once you have that space, take a feeling or a thought, okay, pick something that's running through your brain in that moment, and just set it in front of you. Analyze it. Trace where it came from. Where did this feeling even come from? It's been bouncing around in my brain forever, but how did it get there in the first place? Ask yourself that question. Think about it for a little bit. Is it intertwined with something else? Is it bouncing around in my brain, but it's, it's actually like wound together with some other feeling? Do I need to pull those two apart? Are they actually supposed to be together? Or did they get, you know, in there bouncing around, did they collide with each other and stick to one another inside my brain? And now I've got to pull them apart so I can really understand them both. Okay? Does it need to be examined in some way? Maybe you need to talk with someone about this stuff, but it can be really helpful to first understand in your own brain what's going on so that when you do talk with somebody else about it, you actually know what to put in front of them. Okay? And, and here's five questions that can maybe help guide you, especially if it's something that's more recent, if it's a response to something, especially you know, if it's something you've reacted to even. And this is from the book Deeply Formed Life by Rich Villadas. Here's just five questions. I'll leave it up for a little bit um, so you can uh, write it down or take a picture if you want. But ask yourself, what happened? What actually happened? How did this feeling get there in the first place? What, what was the thing that caused it? Maybe examine the actual event. Ask yourself if the feeling that came from it is warranted, or maybe it's not. Maybe it shouldn't, this shouldn't have been the feeling that came from it, or you want to understand why this feeling came from this thing. You wouldn't have thought it would be, but it did. Why is that the case? What am I feeling? Actually ask yourself, what am I feeling? 
And Julie talked about this a few weeks ago. She talked about how it can be helpful to find lists of emotions. And in your community groups, he actually made you do this exercise, okay? Uh, pull a list of like that out. Actually read through a list of emotions. It can really help you sort of categorize what feeling you might be having. Then ask yourself this. What is the story that I'm telling myself? See, humans are creatures who turn things that are going on around them into stories with heroes and villains and gospels or good news, right? With salvation narratives. Like, we do this naturally. So what's the story I'm telling myself here? Is this the right story? Is it the wrong story? And, and you can ask yourself that question by moving on, better, by moving on to number four. What does the gospel say? Okay, how am I applying what happened, what I'm feeling, the story I'm telling myself about this thing, about this feeling, this event, uh, with what the gospel itself actually says? And then finally, what counter-instinctual action is needed? Now, let me explain that here. A counter-instinctual action is, is, is you, you know, actually measuring, actually taking stock of these first four things, engaging what is the right reaction, I might have taken a reaction, a quick reaction in the moment to something. I, you know, I might have gotten a piece of feedback from someone, and I felt threatened by it. I felt uh, like they thought I was an idiot because this coworker or my, my spouse or a friend uh, or a roommate gave me this feedback on something, and I lashed out at them in anger. Okay? Well, what counter-instinctual action should I have taken? Okay? The instinctual action in that moment, because of some internal clutter, something I was feeling inside of me, made me naturally lash out in anger. I didn't even realize I was doing it. I didn't understand why. Well, but what counter-instinctual action is needed? What, what type of thing you know, should I have responded with here? Take your, your thoughts and your feelings captive in that moment. Okay? Now, once we've done all this, once we have untangled our thoughts and our feelings, once we've kind of worked through them, we process them, we've, we've reorganized the garage, as it were, okay, this is, again, people can sometimes be really good at this thing, but not take this next step, okay? And this is, this is the place we're trying to do all this other work that I've talked about so far, so we can get to this part of it. This is what it makes it distinctly Christian, and engages in the mystery of a God who is present with us, who is concerned with us as individuals, okay? And that's here, to, to listen to the shepherd's voice. Once we've created space and we've uncluttered our internal lives, we're supposed to be present with God, okay? Be present with God. Be who you are with what you have uncluttered inside of you and put it before God, okay? Bring it to God unashamedly, Okay? And, and, and sometimes this looks like, I think it's important maybe even to start here, which is through meditation. Okay? Now, modern, let me be clear what I mean by that. Modern meditation, a lot of times when we talk about meditation nowadays, you know, it's very Buddhist. It's like emptying your mind of things. right? It's kind of making it so there's nothing in there. That's not what I'm talking about. And this goes back, even I believe, to, to Jewish-style meditation, is, is putting something inside your head, right? what could be uh, on the shepherd himself, on Jesus, on God's word, on the gospel, on, on God's wisdom, okay? Put that in your brain and ponder it. 
bring w- whatever it is uh, b- before God. Now, I- I'm on record as saying, like, this idea of listening to God's voice and of, of letting God speak to us is-, is something I'm still figuring out. And some of my ex- experiences, I talked about this in a sermon last fall, have kind of made it tough for me. So I've been trying to untangle for myself what I think, you know, this looks like. And for me, it, it, you know, it used to look like, and maybe, maybe you're familiar with this, I remember in college trying to figure out how to do this well, and I would, use, I would ask God to speak to me in signs. So like I'd be driving, and I would be praying about something, and I'd be like, God, if you want me to do this thing, let the light turn green now. Now. And then it would turn green like a couple seconds later, and I was like, was that close enough for it to be now? Or was that, does that not count, right? And so then I would keep driving and I'd look for, for some other sign. Like, I'd be like, oh, let a, let a Honda Civic drive up next to me. Well, there's Honda Civics everywhere, okay? So, you, you know what I mean? So, like, I would do stuff like that. I would try, like, try to get God to speak to me like that. Now, that's actually, like, that's, you know, in the Old Testament, God talks about stuff like that. He says, hey, don't do, don't do that. Don't do stuff like that. That's called divination, Right? And, and God told his people in the Old Testament, don't mess around with stuff like that. Like, and there were, there were actually there were priests who would do things like this in, in pagan nations around Israel. They would like, cut an animal open and they would look at, they would trace the intestines and see how they were lined up. And you know, they would see the God speaking to them in that way. Or they would like, throw some arrows. Right? And depending on how they landed, they would think you know, that God might be speaking through that thing. God tells his people, don't mess around with stuff like that. Okay? I have given you ways that I will speak to you. Use those things. And, and the number one uh, thing he gives them uh, is, is prophets. Now, I think God still speaks in a prophetic sense today. But I think f- for me, as I have questioned for myself, what does it actually look like for me to do this well? Meditation on Jesus is the place I start, okay? And, and here's why. Remember I said in the Old Testament, you know, God gave ways of speaking to his people, right? And he said, start here if you want to hear from me. Well, in Hebrews 1, 1 to 2, um, the, at the very beginning of the book of Hebrews here, uh, uh, the, the author says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets at many times and in various ways. So he's saying, like God had had said, I'm speaking to you in this way. This is how I want to speak to you. Through prophets and, and a couple other things that we don't need to get into here. But in these last days, which just means like here in the time that we're in now, he has spoken to us by his son. Okay? What, what he's saying here is God wants us to start with the main way that he's spoken to us, and that's Jesus. Okay, Jesus is God's uh, word come to us, which means we should start with Jesus anytime we want to hear from God. And so I think that means for us that we should start out by meditating on Jesus, okay? To dialogue with God, we start with meditation on and a relationship with the shepherd. Start there. Meditate on what you know is true of God as he's revealed himself in Jesus. And there's so, there's so many layers to that. There's so much depth to knowing about God through this, you know, main revelation that he's given to us in Jesus. Bring yourself before him. Okay, so maybe you've untangled your thoughts. You've done some of the stuff we talked about here earlier. Here's how I feel about something. This is, this is you know, where I'm at with this thing right now. This is what I'm feeling. How does that stand before the crucified and risen king? Okay? Bring it into dialogue with, with God as he's spoken to us in Jesus. I'm angry about this thing. 
well, is this a righteous anger? Is this the kind of thing God, as we know him through Jesus, would be angry about? Or, you know, the, in light of the one who gives us a perfect understanding of what anger is? Who stood before real injustice? Right? How does that, how does that play before him? Right? Maybe I'm anxious about something. I, I've determined I, I have a fear or an anxiety about something I have coming up. Okay? Well, do I need to be in light of the one who has conquered death and gave himself for me? Okay? Put it before Jesus. Ask yourself, like, how does this dialogue with God as he's revealed himself in Jesus? I feel plagued by or embarrassed by this thing, and I find that it's really controlling my actions in, in some situation or around some group of people. Okay? This embarrassment I have over something. I'm embarrassed about something happening. I don't want to happen again. Okay? Well, should I be? Should I cling to this embarrassment, to this thing that happened to me in the past when I've got nothing that can be held against me because Jesus has forgiven me of sin? Okay? He has wiped my slate clean. He has, he's made us clean and whole, white as snow. Okay? My identity is rooted in God's love for me, the, the, the love that forgives us. His welcome has come to me in Jesus, not in anything else. Jesus is not concerned about that embarrassment that you might have. Maybe I don't need to be either, okay? Bring it into dialogue, okay? And just a, just a point here, if Jesus is always confirming what you already think, maybe ask yourself, am I really, you know, focusing on the real Jesus or am I looking at a mirror of myself, okay? Just, he should challenge you. When you do this, you should find yourself challenged sometimes. You should find yourself comforted and loved and welcomed and not shamed, but still challenged, okay? That's what this is going to look like. And now, sometimes, and this is where we really get into the mystery of it, okay? Things are going to pop into your head that I do believe are actually from Jesus, from God speaking to you. As you find yourself in this place of meditation, God does speak sometimes. I wouldn't say every time, I wouldn't even say the majority of the time that this maybe happens. I don't know. Maybe, maybe for you, that, that's the case. I don't think this is true for me, but I do feel like, I do find that I, I find Jesus speaking to me sometimes. Okay? And listen, I am not going to give you five steps on like, how to, what this looks like. I'm going to be very, very clear to avoid anything like that. Because if God wants to talk to you, he can get your attention. All right? I think the, read scripture. It's pretty clear God knows what he's doing. He can use a donkey to talk to people. Okay? He knows what he's doing. All right, and I've heard stories from people at Red City, like, you know, feeling like God has spoken to them and they have experiences and things. It's just like, yeah, I have no other way to explain this other than this was God speaking to me. But I'll say for me, I found the normal way that God speaks is really just through bringing scripture to my head or things I've meditated on as I've read through scripture or things I've even, you know, found other people who are meditating on scripture that I've read, that I've internalized, that I've found helpful in the past come to me. And it, it, come, it comes quick, like, in, in ways that I just, I'm like, I don't think this is me bringing this up. I don't know why my brain would have gone here, okay? It feels, like, different than my own voice internally speaking to me here. It's all I can really, can't, sorry, I'm sorry, I cannot give you a better explanation for it than that, but I just kind of, it feels different. Uh, I, I, and deep down, I'm like, yeah, this is right. I know, this is Jesus. This is not me coming up with this thing. This is not any external noise coming here. This is coming from Jesus, so, so listen, as we close here, I just want to reiterate, the good shepherd didn't come to give his life for us, to give his life for his sheep, so that he could be crowded out and unheard, so that he could be pushed into oblivion by all the other things going on around us in the world, okay? He, wa- he came so that he could 
show us his love and engage with us in mystery, but still engage with us. And it might be tough, but if we want to take our spiritual life seriously and the mystery of a God who knows and loves us, then we have to consider how we can dig into this. Now, we want you to do this well at Rest City, okay? We want you to, to, to do this well. And so, like, we have done this Lent devotional. We're going to try to lead you through some practices this week in it. We're going to be doing other stuff. We, uh, this sermon series is really about trying to help give you practices and ways to do this. In community groups, we're going to be talking about this. We have the Sabbath workshop coming up that Laura talked about here earlier on March 20th. We want to help you do this well because we think it's what it looks like for us uh, to follow after, the, follow after the shepherd. And really, like, that's, that's our desire as a church to help us all uh, to do that well so we can find wholeness and experience uh, what the sheep does in Psalm 23. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you that um, you, you do want to lead us individually, God. Um, and you have spoken to us clearly in your son Jesus, God. I pray that you'd help us to have wisdom so we know how to declutter both the external and the internal noise in us and help us to be able to contemplate ourselves, to examine ourselves so that we can truthfully and honestly bring that before you, God. That we don't come to you in some sort of manufactured self, God, but we come before you as we actually are so we can engage you at our deepest selves because that's, that's who you desire to know, us at our, at our greatest depth, God. So we ask that you would help us to do that uh, this day uh, and every day, God. In the name of Jesus, amen.